Hey guys, it's your old pal Dr. D here. Just checking in at the beginning to tell you that we have been having some problems with our recording software, which means that this episode is going to end a little more abruptly than they usually do. It might be in the next episode too, so don't panic. We're doing our best to try and fix it. And yeah, I'll keep you guys posted. Love you guys. Thanks for listening and make sure you keep it popping out there, Nomads. The podcast you're about to listen to is part of the Professional Casual Network. To find more podcasts like this, please check out professionalcasual.com. The Professional Casual Network has gear. Check out teespring.com slash store slash professional casual for fresh new swag. A huge shout out to our sponsor, beardeddragongames.online. Pick up all your local game store goodness from Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, or Wafurp 4th Edition, as well as terrain, paints, board games, comics, and more. Make sure to use code PROFESSIONALCASUAL at checkout for free domestic shipping or PCME10 for 10% off your total order at beardeddragongames.online. Also, a special thanks to Built Bar for sponsoring the show. To get 10% off your order and to help support the show, use code PROFESSIONALCASUAL at checkout or use the link in the show notes. Hey, so stop me if you've heard this one. I just had an officer at the door saying he was looking for a man with one eye. I looked at him and I told him that if he used both of his eyes, he'd probably find him a lot quicker. Dr. D reaching out through the supervision free source of infinity interfacing. I am joined today by my partner in infinity B to the T Brady T. How's it going over there in the universe of oppressive aliens? Instead of a dark Lord, you shall have a queen, not dark, but beautiful and terrible as the dawn. I know that's a reference. It's not a Disney movie reference. Lord of the Rings, Galadriel, you, you peasant. Yeah. All right. So, peasant. Whatever you say, uh, Nerd. Anyway, so today on Arachne, we will be, we will be discussing the last local event, which was at Queen's Gambit. Uh, they're collectively known by fancy like card titles, which I'll allow our special guest today talk about because he's the man with the plan. It's Jake. But before we do that, <laughs> let's get to business and then introduce our special. Hey, guest. Jake, go back Keep in the get, get back in the box. We got to talk about. No, no, they're not supposed to know. Keep them waiting. In the box. Okay. Arachne is a part of the Professional Casual Network. If you would like to support the network, please sign up for our Patreon or purchase some hot swag at streamlabs.com professional casual network one. Guys, we did it. We got a shirt. I made the shirt. It's an um, it's great. It's fantastic. It's got the our spider with the fancy butt. His butt is a microphone. It's very uh, clever and everybody loves it. Uh, if you would like to find this shirt, uh, I'm not really able to market it very well because I can't actually think of anywhere where I put it because I need, still need to make the Facebook page, which I'm going to probably do tomorrow morning. So when you hit this episode, it's probably been around for about a week. You should come join and say hi. We are also sponsored by Frontline Gaming. It would love if you used the link in our show in our show notes to go purchase tickets to any of their events. It really helps us out, even if you're not going to Infinity events. The next one is the SoCal Open, 
October 21st through the 22nd. We would also like to announce the upcoming Everwinter event in December on the 9th and the 10th in the Boston area is the Weston Waltham Boston. It is going to be a guaranteed good time. We know a lot of the people that run it. They're all fantastic people. They definitely deserve it. Wicked Dicey is a fantastic group of people and we want to do everything we can to support them. They're awesome. And then I would also like to add in, because I've been sponsored by them for a while and I just keep forgetting to talk about it, we want to bring up the sponsor Monument Hobbies. Monument Hobbies makes the best paint in the game, in my opinion. That stuff is so good. You can take it straight out of the bottle. I've actually used a couple of them straight into the paint, like a paint pot of a airbrush. It's so smooth. It's so good. They just came out with two new boxes by Ben Comet and I forget the other guy's name. I actually got the box here. This is good radio, ladies and gentlemen. Ben and Matt Sexwish, Kexwish, I don't know how you say that. Uh, they got some actually really good paints in here. I've actually been using them to paint some of the stuff I have on my desk right now. 11 out of 10. Yeah, that's my rating there. They're really good. So if you want to help support us, uh, use the code Professional Casual all caps, when you go to checkout and you'll get yourself a swanky little discount. To put it into perspective, I actually had to negotiate a transaction with a local so that I could get some of the paintbrushes that he had that were the old bomb wicks. Because you can't get them on the website because the stupid things sell out so fast because they're so good. I've actually been using the same one size, I think, for almost like a year now. It's crazy. Great quality. Absolutely amazing. You clean them. Jen's brush soap is great. So definitely want to uh, support us. Get that. It's some of the best paint out there, and you will definitely not be sad. And we can't forget our sponsor, Mr. Laser at mrlaser.square.site. I don't know what he's doing. He's making stuff. Go there. Buy stuff for all different kinds of games. You can definitely use some of it for Infinity. I have no doubt. So, okay, you can come back out of the box. So we have a special guest in here today. His name's Jake. He's a great guy. He's a great man, an excellent event runner, and a fantastic lover. We all know him, and we definitely respect him in ways that I would definitely call in the morning. So, Jake, welcome to Arachne. Howdy, big, wide internet world. Jake here is a local who has picked up the uh, the enviable task of doing some TOing, and he just recently ran an event. I never understood why my old scoutmasters called themselves cat herders until I ran an infinity event. I can imagine that most like scouting events have like, younger people, though. I mean, what's the median age of an infinity event? Is there a difference between a 12-year-old and a 40-year-old man? Well, when they play with little metal dollies, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> one of them self-inflicted. The other one, I think, is just a natural part of growing up. <laughs> so before we get into the big topic of this, a little bit of a preamble. Uh, Brady and I, we actually finally played a game together. Yay! We actually play the game. And so we actually play with the new reinforcement rules because we were so curious, especially after that last episode. We wanted to, I don't know, sound experienced. Like we actually know what the hell we're talking about. We don't. And so we played unmasking in my basement. It was pretty awesome. What did you think, Brady? Your dogs are cute. They are very cute. Oh, but about the game. I really liked it. I'm still a little apprehensive on reinforcements as, as a whole unit. I think the mind game, I think we both feel like the mind game of you're sitting there being like, I'm 255, I just, or like I'm 155, I just need to lose one more model. And you're like, kind of look at your opponent, you're like, oh no, this like, Imatron is a little bit out of position, I hope they don't shoot it, oh no. And I really do like that aspect of reinforcements, because it does encourage some really uh, aggressive firefights early, because you know if you're trading out your some of your best pieces you will get your second wave in and in theory can even, you know, especially if you're going second, you're really incentivized to hit them, hit them fast, hit them hard. 
even if their reinforcements come in, yours will come in after, and you can probably keep that tempo going, which I really, really like. I I still, again, the point that I've like said a million times at this point is like they pick the weaker of the two options every time. And I think reinforcements, like, oddly enough, that makes them feel a little bit like, oh, it's a little bit tacked on. It's not always going to have that insane punch. Because in our game, both of our reinforcements came down in turn three. And it was like, okay, they get a couple kills. It was very useful. I think both of us got a lot of value from our reinforcements. But we both kind of sat there. And I don't I don't think it really... I'm not sure if it was worth all the, all the like, headroom, all, all the extra work you had to do to set up that game for that, like, one five-order pool, essentially. And for both of us, when the reinforcements came in, their main goal was definitely interacting with objectives, but especially since we were playing unmasking, which you got to push the button to find the person, yada, yada. When your guys came in, essentially, it's what made it the draw that it did become because I was ahead and then you had a, a like a, just a fresh batch of, of jerk wads that just landed in from space for you to be able to do what you did. Especially on the other side of the board, that was that was probably the biggest part because I I still had like probably the left and middle, but it was just I had no way to get to the right side of the board unless my Syriac could somehow get out of the glue you stuck him with. And I was like, well, I'll spend all my orders trying to get out of glue. So yeah, that that really helped make it a, a tie, uh, so we both can be co-hosts. Uh, but I'm I'm very interested to see what uh, Mission Pack 15 brings because I could see designing the mission to have that five orders that come in make a really interesting mission play which i think would be really really exciting now you're doing you're doing the one he i don't think 150 was a mistake he definitely said that as in your reinforcements will be coming in on turn one yeah it's essentially like you're playing with the sideboard uh you just insert it during the game what a great idea i think there's a legitimate question though is there any faction you know we, we saw some like apaches and other ones are there any factions where their reinforcement profile is so good where that isn't actually just like turbo throwing thing uh turbo throwing the game i don't i don't think so because like the only thing i can think of is because the reinforcement order pool is the biggest like deterrent right because you can only get like six orders in that group during when it comes on essentially at most and plus, there's the Pano Squalo 2. Like, that's the only tag, I think, is just the Pano one. Which, I mean, that could potentially be pretty amazing. Because now it's a cheaper tag, because he's an S6, I think. Because they put him down to his S6. I don't know. It's interesting to see. Everybody's still experimenting with it. I'm curious to see what people come up with. I, do, I don't know if 150 points is a great idea. But I do think it's worth trying in a buy game, where it doesn't matter. Now... The game that we played that I played against Brady, it did end in a tie, so we're both we're both required to be co-hosts, contractually obligated to until we play another game in 2026. So until then, you're stuck with both of us, I suppose. Um, my final thought on the whole thing is that I do agree. I think playing points chicken is kind of fun because you have to gauge how big the other person's army still is. He got me down to 154 points. After he killed the specific model, and I was like, okay. And that's essentially what stopped me from being able to get the reinforcements in the second turn and for, and pushed it into the third turn. So I don't, yeah, it's fun. I think it's a fun thing. I definitely think it's a good idea to, like we were talking about in the last episode, play more other, other armies so that you can get like a better gauge of how many points each model might be because it might put you ahead of the curve. Anyway, so we're going to talk about the main topic today. So we recently had an event uh, in August at Queen's Gambit. 
It was great. Uh, there, this was the second one. I wasn't able to go to the first one because my dad was actually up in town when it was happening. Jake also ran that. Jake, run us through it. What event did you run? So Queen's Gambit with the whole chess card game theme the store has. We do all our events with like fun little card names. So this was uh, Queen's Gambit Palatial Panic. Kind of riffing on the fact that Panic Room was the Wooden Spoon's mission choice from the last event. Uh, but a three-round tournament, no special modifications except for me making what is a controversial mission pack. Um, and other than that, just a standard 300-point affinity event. Now, we don't know how people do it in other parts of the country, but here in New England, we believe in democracy. And so the loser of the last – or I wouldn't even say loser. Wooden Spoon. The Wooden Spoon Award. That's a, that's a nice way to put it. The Wooden Spoon uh, from the previous event gets to pick one of the scenarios for the next event. And so on and so forth, and then they—you don't actually have an, a physical spoon, do you? Okay, uh, it's in the works. Hey, I can be arranged. Wide, wider podcasting audience that is listening to us, send us a really cool spoon. We'll, we'll like put fire marks on it and stuff, and make it look super cool. The three scenarios were countermeasures, panic room, and rescue. Very controversial. Uh, some gnashing of teeth, mostly just me. Because I despise that these scenarios put together because they all mess with midfield. All of them either have an exclusion zone or they have confused deployment, which drove me nuts. Would you care would you care to go into the thinking process behind those scenarios, sir? So I find with Infinity, you get a lot of like hitting the average. There's a lot of diversity, like terrain's also a good example of this. Like you build a lot of things, there's some rules people have of don't have big line sight blocking things in the corners. But you can still make good events or good tables if you ignore those rules in a smart way. So a lot of times you'll see people do like one complicated, like one mission with a confused deployment or an exclusion zone. But it's not bad to occasionally have like spiced up and put all three in there because it really pushes people to build lists in a different way or like think about the challenges the tournament presents without going into like an actual mod like limit insertion or I can't remember what the other ones are. Direct contact. And you actually saw it in this tournament you saw a lot of people running two link teams like a core and a harris that started in the deployment zone you had a lot less of skirmishers because they just couldn't do their skirmisher thing that's fair i will say it diff- so <laughs> for sure it changed up the way i was building lists i completely i did the the thing that all great players should do when you can play in infinity is i trashed my lists the day before and i didn't the t- i made two new completely untested <laughs> untested lists because i wanted to Make one list that was, I guess, more of a meme because I really I, I love Wild Bill. I really love Wild Bill in 012. I don't know why. I just love him. His stupid little hat. I love him. And so I made that list for Panic Room. But then I realized that I had absolutely no forward deployment stuff because I was thinking it's stupid and worthless because of these three scenarios. But I decided, you know what? It's actually worth it to still just have that four inches just in order just in order to help create like a little bit of an ARO presence in case they came to the other side of the ta- other side of the table. Thankfully, you know, I think I did pretty okay. I think I made the right decision. I think I scored a lot better than I thought I would have originally. I had had two amazing games while we were there. I got to meet some new people. Just overall, I couldn't say, you know, there's just nothing I could really complain about in the fact that, other than the fact that Rescue was one of the missions. Yeah, I found people always had a, it was either Countermeasures, Panic Room, or Rescue. Someone didn't like one of those three. Although all the dislike was very lighthearted, I want to point out. (laughs) Well, I think it's like uh, camaraderie. From all the misery, <laughs> suffering as a group. we all crawled through the mud. Right? Okay, so obviously we should go through the games. I played. Brady was not there. He was 
doing stuff for his doggy, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I was on dog duty as Leah was doing horse stuff. That'll be that'll be a thing you hear a lot with me uh, with upcoming events, especially in the spring and fall, which is I was at home while Leah was at, with at the horses. Hey, everybody's got something. So let's go over the games. So I played three games. The first one was against somebody by the name of Phil. I had never actually played him before. Obviously, had a great game with him. I can all the spoiler spoiler warning. He was a great guy. He clearly knew what he was doing. It was definitely one of those situations where you never know who you're going to play in the first round. It could be somebody who's completely new, or it could be the person who's going to win because everybody's in that same pool, unless you're doing a challenge. So he was playing Assassins. I believe he won the LT role, and he wanted to go first. This would be for countermeasures. So his first turn was attempting to set up repeaters, and he essentially was trying to set up a network for his guided missile bot. Since everybody in this in this call that or this this podcast recording, we all love guided, right? It's such a great rule. I did, in fact, bring guided against you. I was debating not bringing it, but I'm like, oh, it'll get him tilted, and I think that's funny. You're allowed to believe whatever you want to believe. I don't even think it, I don't even think it works when you use the when you use it against me that well. So anyway. He was doing assassin things. He didn't have a lot of long range firepower from what I noticed. So I knew that as long as I could survive the guided missile explosions, I would probably be okay since I could shoot at him from far away. Knopf always gives me that advantage. Thankfully, Parvati, the little minx, decided that she was going to pass a bunch of her whip rolls and beat the face to face with the targeted. So she managed to just soak up a bunch of orders and she even survived one of the hits from the missiles because she has more than one wound or structure in this case. And then the other thing that really went against Phil was that his Fide and the named Fide, Al-Ajabel, is that how you say it? Al-Jabel. Al-Jabel. They didn't do a whole lot. He forgot that the greatest piece of equipment in all of Infinity, the biometric visor, OP, stops you from suffering the surprise attack modifier as long as you have line of sight to the target. So my alpha, who was my lieutenant, decided that uh, he could make the dodge because he didn't have a minus three from this stupid little surprise tech. So he survived, and then I managed to take down the rest of the fides. Thankfully, the damage was very minimal. And at that point, it was just a game of me cleaning up all of the repeaters that he put down, grabbing the easy cards as they popped up. Thankfully, Knopf always gave me a range advantage, and he was always in a position to make sure he was shooting AROs. And since he's got the MSV-1, it smoke wasn't like as big of a thing. Obviously, he gets a pretty bad mo- you know, negative modifier, but it is what it is. Just getting the shot alone probably scared him a little bit. And so it was pretty much cinched up in the last turn. My crusher popped up on the other side of the table in that little, uh, the little open nub area. He scored me the D-charge classified, and then my opponent on the very last turn decided that he was going to fail literally a billion a million to billion whip rolls at minus three for that one where you have to, it's like minus three on the HVT model. I couldn't believe how many times he failed that stupid check. So I got a pretty, pretty solid win. It was six one for me. We pounded fists and I went into lunch with a one zero record. So Jake, from what I understand, you played by rounds. How did your first one go? Yep. So first round by, which is always interesting because you get just a random person, whereas the later ones you get the lowest ranked person in the event at the moment. I played against a gentleman named Hortanium, um, running Merovingian Rapid Response Force. And you'll see this in bullet, two of my buy games as I played against forces that can take the reinforcements profiles naturally. So in this one, I got to run up against um, the new Ariana guys. I can't remember what they're called. I want to say alphas, but that's not right. Apaches. Apaches, the other A word. 
Um, he was running a five-man link of Loop Guru with an Apache mixed in there and a three-man link of Briscards with an Apache link mixed in there. I was running three Fides and a Lasique Bokhtar link team, which is kind of a classic Hassassin annoyance. He actually did really well. He moved um, Bruant up first turn, scoring him two Classifieds cards. Unfortunately, Bruant got isolated by a lovely Mutawai, a jammer. Best six points you ever spend. Brady knows. We played a game on Thursday. And then both his link teams advanced. Both his link teams got shotgunned by Fides. The Brisk Guards miraculously made all of their dodge saves. They got the entire link team in one shotgun blast, and he dodged all three with all three guys. Uh, the Loop Gurus, one dodged, one died. The Apache lived. The Apache then took a swing at Algebel, and Algebel said, yeah, I know you're the new kid on the block. You're very hot stuff. I still have a viral knife. I'm going to crit you. And he took three viral saves and failed all of them. <laughs> so my turn. We cleaned up his loop grueling team. His, his brisk guards just chilled, and I couldn't get anything over there in time. And what kind of ended up happening was I took the entire left-hand side of the board. He took the entire right-hand side of the board. He stayed just ahead on classified objectives for the whole game. I find countermeasures is a hard one for us to see. We just don't fit enough specialists in there. And... He did a really good job between using the terrain and keeping his Apache turned backwards. That I had a Rajik. I was kind of hoping to like get a chance to drop in at some point a Rajik with fire just to clean up that link team and re-secure my HVT. But he never got a chance. And when he did end up dropping in, he got absolutely obliterated by chain rifles. So my opponent just kept his lead the whole game and did a really good job of like doing just what he needed to to secure it. Ending up with, I think, five classified directives for him to three for me. But I got to score Predator with a bonus with Algebel in a turn. So that was great. I played against Hortanium before. He's a great guy. He's a super nice guy. Yeah. We're big fans. So <laughs> that's that's amazing. Algebel, uh, it's funny how the the difference in quality <laughs> of Algebel in your game and in mine. I mean, Algebel should have lost that fight. Two dice on one. He is about the same CC. He has Natural Born Warrior. I just rolled a 19 and he rolled like two 10s. It's just, dude, it's crazy how good Apaches are. It's so, they're so good. Yeah. It's gross. Yeah, Algebel was probably my best shot at killing them just because of the continuous damage he has on his shooting, but... Yeah, that's true. Uh, you just apply violence, and it solves a lot of problems. Well-applied violence. All right, so game two. Uh, obviously, when we went on lunch, we got some amazing <laughs> Wendy's, I think it was. Oh, man, it was so good. Uh, it's, it's actually kind of weird how there's not that many Wendy's up here in the Northeast. Down south, they're everywhere. Not as many up here. Anyway, that's a podcast for another day. So uh, we're into game two. Uh, I didn't enjoy this game so much for a variety of reasons, so I'm not going to get too much into this, but I will essentially say that I spent my entire first turn trying to kill Deferzin, and all, I think, four hackers died to his trinity. It was miserable. Um, I did not enjoy my game. Uh, I didn't enjoy much of anything. I'm going to leave it on that. Unfortunately, that was the the list I thought I was trying to be Mimi with because I had Wild Bill and Shona in. And I'm like, if there's people that want to stand in the panic room, oh, by the way, it's for panic room. If they're going to stand in the panic room, they're going to sit there and dodge and I can make rootin' tootin' noises with Wild Bill as he's in there shooting his rifles and pistols in the air. Well, that didn't happen. So Shona died uh, due to a misunderstanding that I thought she was prone because there was a marker nearby and he made moves because he thought that she wasn't prone because the prone marker wasn't closing. And at that point I didn't want to live anymore. So I said, fine, whatever killed her only had, we only played like 45 minutes. It was nine to one, I think. And then I got to play Harry Potter, uh, magic awakening, the new phone game. Uh, it's really good. Uh, the podcast is now becoming a Harry Potter magic awakened podcast. Uh, Brady is actually one of the best players in the entire world. Uh, everybody congratulate him. Yeah, I remember seeing that game or like hearing it out of the corner of my ear as a deal. I was like, that sounds like an argument I could get involved in. But it's always one of those weird ones of like, 
it's just a disagreement on how the game state is, and I, it's hard for me to make a judging on that as a TO. So I'm glad I didn't have to get involved. Well, as soon as he had said it, I real like I even looked at like where the the token was. I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah, fine, I get it. I understand. And I have to say, I've really been practicing stoicism lately, and I actually I managed to not lose my temper once that whole game. So I'm the best. So for my round two, I played against a Queen's Gambit regular by the name of Swan, who I think will actually feature twice in this podcast. Um, he was running a white banner. I can't remember exactly what his link is, but or what his like list archetype is. He had a Roishi, he had a Blue Wolf, he had some monks, and uh, I think a core of like Quangshi or something. Or Zanshi, because he wasn't running JSA. And I was running core link of Govods and Moyibs with some associated, like a Sundic butt. So there's like almost two-thirds of my list in those six models. And then some like Mutawaya, some random junk. This was a weird one. I don't I'm not a big fan of the Muyib Govad core link, but Muyib's a number two, which in Panic Room is a big deal. And it's one of the only things I can get in my army that has like that bonus skill that gives you an extra point per round. So I took first turn, because Austin tends to like first turn. Kind of a iffy choice in Panic Room, and I think it actually kind of spelled my doom at the end, but oh well, we live, we learn, we play by rounds. <laughs> that's funny so i pushed up i took the room i put like a moeeb doctor in it which was a mistake and we will get to why that is a mistake later but i only had like two moeebs in the link and it was either the doctor or the heavy rock launcher and the doctor's better in panic rooms than the heavy rock launcher is and hit my opponent's turn he pushed up with some monks we got in a bit of a fisticuffs match of light shotguns going off monk chain rifles going off monks dodging smoke nades getting thrown and monks trade pretty well into Moebs and Govods, because they're like 10 points, maybe, and a Moebs like 25 to 30. So my link team ends up in a bit of shambles. It's still up and going, but it's maybe three men by the end of turn one. My opponent pushes up a Roishi. He kills all of my hacking. My Bari just got gutted. And then the Roishi dies to a Sunday Bud, as they do. And then turn two comes around. I kind of secure the link team in the thing. I go bully his link team a little bit with an Asawira. And he dumps a bull blue wolf into the panic room and that's a problem i don't have the tools to deal with anymore <laughs> i think the game ended with me in turn three charging a sundic butt into the room and then like chain rifling things which is never a place you want to be sundic butt never really wants to move <laughs> but it was ultimately a good game swan actually like played really well the blue wolf absolutely murdered everything in the panic room my Osawira had a moment of norkius luck from brady he Got reacted to by a combi rifle and a Zanchi link. Got hit twice and critted once and died. Passes regenerate. Didn't even get his regeneration. He took all three wounds. And we're like, ah, I know what it feels like to be Norkius now. But ultimately a great game. I just didn't. It's not a list I'm comfortable with. I think it really showed in that one. How about your round three, Dr. D? So my round three, I played against somebody by the name of Swan. Uh, he was playing White Banner. And he just came from the buy round. I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy. What a guy. What a, what a friggin' guy, man. So he's absolutely great. I never actually had been able to meet the man. I had only ever seen him in the local discords. And funnily enough, I see the locals I see in the big discord, the big infinity discord, sometimes more than I see them in person here, which is kind of funny sometimes. But I see Swan in both of them. He always seemed like a cool guy to me. So I was as soon as I saw his face, I was like, oh, finally, I get to meet the man behind the mask. So he was playing White Banner, which means that he was he played the exact same list that he played against you. So it was it was definitely the monks were probably the thing I knew the least about because this must have been like game three against Yu Jing in general. I saw Liang Kai on the other side and I was like, huh, okay. Now I know that guy can bonk things to death real good if he manages to get to you. And he's still he, dude, he's so cheap. He's so 
good. He's so good. So I won the LT roll and I decided to pick the side. One of the sides has a really good line of sight blocking building that I knew I was going to put all my support models on just in order to keep my orders uh, functioning and my ability to lose lieutenants and to the stupidest reasons. I was like, okay, if I put a building between me and the other person, maybe my lieutenant will see the other side, <laughs> see the other side. So I decided to make that my prerogative. He decided to go first. His first turn essentially was just moving forward a little bit. He got his blue wolf into the middle of the table in order to set him up for next turn. It's obviously he wasn't really thinking about total control, which might come up in a second. The majority of his orders that turn were spent trying to get rid of my TR bot. You, this TR bot, he was, he, he's going to, his full paint job is going to get finished. This little boy, this little robot that could, this guy did so much work this game. He essentially soaked up all the orders turn one. He finally went down. He only went unconscious, soaked up all of his orders. It turns into my turn. I have a team Cyrus, which is like a repeater bot with the little doggo thing. I moved that up just in range of his blue wolf. I total controlled it on the first try. It was glorious. And I was like, oh man, here we go. We're about to go on a rampage. I walked him back. I tried to flamethrower some stuff that was too close because you have the more poopy stats when you're a possessed tag. I was like, well, surely if I auto hit with this this template, it'll be so good. I'm pretty sure it was also at a minus three because the token like couldn't see me or something like that. He passed it. Didn't matter. Kept moving the blue wolf. He and Swan realized that if this if because I was able to get the blue wolf literally like the first two ores of the turn, I had a full order pool ready to just move this guy around and just cause tons of destruction. He, I don't know if it was the right choice or what what else he could have really done. He shot his blue wolf to death because obviously he had a problem. I couldn't hit anything with the stupid thing. Everything I, I either tried to template or shoot either missed or he dodged. And I was like, oh, that's sad. That's real, real sad. So that was the majority of my orders on that one. And then after that, with the few orders I had left, I just had Noff pick up a couple of the Zanchi because he had like a Zanchi defensive core. That was kind of interesting. And I've got the TR bat, bat, the TR bot back up. His next turn, he uses these monks to again cross this field, yeet and smoke the entire way. I don't know if the meme got him, but me, he did this whole song and dance getting all I think four of the monks, including uh, Lan Kai, all the way up to the TR bot on the far left side of the board just to kill the stupid thing and his little Raven Eye assistant. Very little (laughs) strategic impact, I think, because he could have just smoked it and just walked by the stupid thing. But he realized it needed to die. He was in a position to where I think he could have... He could have done... He could have achieved his destiny and killed my LT because apparently I'm just destined to always lose my LTs. But he decided not to go around the corner. He said he went the other way to go kill the TR bot. And the TR bot, not only did it live, but it I think it killed one of the bunks on the way in. And it soaked up so many orders for him trying to kill it that his monks were just, were just standing there in the open, just waiting to get murdered by the next turn. So my next turn was the lawkeeper driving around, shooting everything, rooting and tooting, grabbing a civilian, coming all the way back, killing all the little things that I thought might threaten me. I think I used the Psycop to shoot a couple of the monks and get them dead. And that was essentially the game at that point. The third turn was him using like, he must have like four or five orders left. He still kept trying to kill the TR bot and he couldn't do it. (laughs) He just couldn't kill the TR bot. Oh my God. It was so funny. And then my third game, my third turn was essentially a crusher popping up on the other side of the table, doing a classified and then dying like a chump to a bunch of Zanchis. You hate to see that. Absolutely hate to see that. I walked away from that one with a respectable five to one points, though. Good for me. It's definitely a skill you gain more of as you progress in Infinity. It's like, this thing's a problem, but we'll continue being a problem once the game state has moved past it. 
Like, TR bot's really good in turn one, but turn three, well, they can still be annoying if they're in a dumb place. A lot of times you're close enough, they're not nearly as bad. And especially if you're playing against factions you don't know very well, like O12. I don't think Swan, he has played a little bit, he has played against maybe once, but he doesn't have like maybe the knowledge to know like that alpha is an LT. Yeah, it's one of the things like if you know the faction, you know it's the LT. If you don't, then it's whatever. Which ultimately he had no idea because I said, hey, this is my alpha. And as soon as I say that, people are like, oh, I know exactly who that is. And that, yeah, it definitely was a case. Of, he wasn't even tilted about the TR bot. I think, it, I think at a certain point in the second turn, it was just the joke of killing the thing. Like we were making like those stupid scenarios up, you know, like, oh, this is going to happen in the TR bot, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it was amazing. It was, <laughs> we were laughing and hooting the whole time. <laughs> it's so good. I also think it's hilarious that I know Swan and Brady played a practice game for the event the Thursday before where Swan ran a Guija, which also got total controlled. <laughs> It's it's his destiny. His his uh, tags will be total controlled. My LTs will die in stupid situations. That is that is definitely a time where I've had an opponent look at me and go, "Okay, stop. Take a step back. Take a breath. Stop putting orders into this. You can if you want to, but take a step back and evaluate if you want to keep putting orders into this action." Because um, I know, especially with TR bots, like I just see red and it's like, this thing must die. Some duck I think a lot of die. it, he, you know, and to his credit, he did ask me, do you have any pitchers on your side of the table? And I was like, yeah, I have one. It's on the cyber ghost up on a roof. There's no way he's going to be able to shoot that, you know, anything really. He's like, oh, okay. And I even, I mean, it's not like I didn't tell him that the, <laughs> the that Team Cyrus wasn't a repeater. Because I'm pretty sure he might, he walked so close. And I was like, I think I even said, hey, don't forget this is a repeater. And so he backed it. I think he backed it up like an inch <laughs> or something like that. And I was just thinking like, I'm just going to steal that thing. <laughs> I'm just going to total control that. You should kill the robot. Hacking is definitely one of the areas of infinity where it can be very hard to measure what's going on. Because it can be hard to visualize those agent circles when they go through walls or through buildings. Like yeah. shooting people is nice and direct. Hacking is not. Bullet goes straight. Uh, electric waves can go in, they can zigzag. Yeah, the moment you said, oh, you total controlled I'm like, oh, Swan just doesn't get to have fun with his tags. So I moved it up and Norkius was like, what if, what if, no, what if total control? Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this show, check out all the other great shows here at the Professional Casual Network. Like what, Danny? I'll tell you. On Mondays, we've got the Lost Omens podcast, our Pathfinder 2E actual play, hosted by me, playing through the Extinction Curse AP. Also, streaming on twitch.tv slash Professional Casual Network at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, you can check out, oh yeah, the Power Phase, our Marvel Crisis Protocol live battle report show. On Tuesdays, the podcast version of Wait, Did I Roll a Wild? Our Marvel Crisis Protocol Povlog is available. On Wednesdays, alternating releases on the Patreon, we have Settling the Southlands, our homebrew Wolf Warp actual play, and The Slithering, a Pathfinder 2nd edition actual play. 
and on Thursdays, live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on twitch.tv slash professional casual network. We've got, wait, did I roll a wild? Our Marvel Crisis Protocol Povlog. You can also check out back episodes of Elite Eight Showdown and the first 39 episodes of the Lost Omens podcast, the first 24 episodes of Settling the Southlands, and the first handful of episodes of The Slithering on the YouTube at youtube.com slash the professional casual. <laughs>